Holy God, we do thank you that you are here with us, that you have made room in yourself for us. As we come to worship you, we come to sing praise to God. Hallelujah. Praise to Yahweh. Praise to the God who created this world. Praise to the God who sent his son at Christmas to become the savior of the world that was made through him and by him and for him. God, we are your people and we come recognizing that we too need to make room in our lives to see you, to praise your name and to allow you to work a miracle in us again. In this Christmas season, God, we come to your word and to your spirit asking for you to speak the words of life to us. Breathe on us now the very words of life because there's no place else that we can go for eternal life other than to your son Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Good morning. My name is Kurt, and I'm one of the pastors here. I want to add my welcome to Faith Covenant Church this morning during this Christmas season. We are in our series that we're calling Make Room, and we're recognizing that in our culture, the holiday season is becoming busier and busier and more filled with all different kinds of things that keep us distracted from some of the things that might be most important in our lives, and perhaps even taking us away from seeing God at work in our lives. We're focusing this Christmas at our church on how one of the best gifts that we can give ourselves and the ones that we love is to make room in our lives for God. We all want God to move. The problem is that so often our lives are so full of so many things, sometimes even good things, sometimes even churchy things, that we, are, we don't have any room left to give to God. If we want to make room for God in our lives, we've been talking about this last couple weeks how we need to make room for relationships, first with God and then with others in our lives. And today, uh, we're going to talk about how if we want to make room for God in our lives, we also have to learn, perhaps once again, or maybe for the first time for some of us, how to make room in our lives for rest. It's the holiday season, and we've been talking about this now for for several weeks, and how the holiday season uh, goes from really kind of... uh, (laughs) Spacing on the name. What's the, what's the holiday right before Thanksgiving? Right, see? See, I'm even jumping back. I'm teasing you guys. It goes from Halloween now, right, all the way through to Christmas and even to New Year's. It's this growing thing where we add more and more days like Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all these other holidays in between where we have to give our time and our attention and feel like we need to be in on the know or we're not in with culture and what's going on around us. We seem to be adding more and more holidays to our annual calendar, but I'd like to suggest this morning, is it very possible that as a, as a society we've lost the true meaning and the value of what a holiday really is supposed to be? In our culture, we, if you think about it, holidays have become the vac- exact opposite of rest and time with family and the very things that I think they're supposed to be about. Now, if you think about it, I think we're going to go back through uh, some scriptures. We're going to jump around and look at a variety of different texts this morning. But we didn't invent the holiday, did we? God invented the holiday. You can go all the way back to the very beginning of creation. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 2 to to kick off this morning. And in verse 1, we get to the end of God's creating on the, uh, the sixth day, right? And in verse 1 it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed all in their vast array. Six days God took to create the world. Six days of labor. Six days of work. 
And then in verse 2, it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it what? Holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. On the very seventh day of the existence of the world, God rested and he made the seventh day holy, creating the very first holiday, the holy day, right? See, God had an intention from the beginning for us to experience holiday in our lives. Holiday is a part of God's creation and a part of his design. A holiday is intended by God to be a holy day. A holy day is a a day of sacred space, a day of sacred time. And when I talk about something being sacred, I mean it's a place in space and in time where we're intended to be able to meet God, to connect with God, to discover that God is present to us and with us, and he is for us. Holidays are intended by God to be sacred and holy spaces in our lives where we can reflect on the life that God has given us, where we can gain God's perspective on the world around us and the circumstances in which we find ourselves, even if they don't happen to be all that positive in this season of life, and to find refreshment for our spirits. See, in God's wisdom, he recognized that we need that kind of sacred space in our lives at least once a week if not more often, to be able to find the deeper meaning and purpose for why we do all the things that we do, why we labor so hard to to accomplish all the things that we think we need to do. I'm reminded going back to uh, when I was a younger man, many of you are probably familiar with the book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in that book, he talks about the, the, the need to understand the, the PPC balance, the production and production capability balance. And he uses an example from business. And he says, say you, say you have a, a business where you're, you're making a, a cloth and you're using sewing machines and you have 25 sewing machines. And if all you're doing is running those machines over and over again, producing more and more product, eventually what's going to happen to those machines? They're going to break down. And then what happens to your production? Crashes, Right? No, see, even in common sense life, we understand that we need to have time to care and maintain the equipment that we're using to produce all the things that we're trying to produce. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, God has designed us in such a way that we need to take time for the care and maintenance of our own lives. The first mention of this holy day is in actually the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 where he actually gives the the name of this holy day, or he gives this holy day a name. Exodus 20, verses 8 and 9, where he's giving the fourth commandment. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The first holiday is the Sabbath. It's that day of rest. The, the word Sabbath actually comes, we think, from the Hebrew word sabbat or shabbat. That actually means to stop. To, to cease, to, to keep even. And Robert Banks, who is a professor at Fuller, who wrote this one 
uh, commentary book called the, uh, the, Every, the Everyday Book of Christianity. It's a very practical kind of down-to-earth book. It says that Sabbath, if you think about Sabbath as, as a biblical understanding of what rest is really all about, is what our leisure-hungry and work-addicted culture desperately needs. But the very word Sabbath brings to most of our minds all the restrictions that well-meaning Christians have over the years placed on our Sundays. We need to explore, he says, the biblical meaning of rest, the theological meaning of Sabbath, and the idea of Sabbath as a life-giving discipline in our lives. In the end, he says, what we will see is that we do not keep Sabbath as much as Sabbath keeps us. Now, I would simply uh, paraphrase what Robert Banks is saying here is that we simply need to learn to make room for rest. If we want to find God in our lives, if we want to connect with the divine, if we want to experience the sacred, we have to learn again to make room for rest in our lives. In ceasing labor, the Israelites were reminded of their true status of being dependent beings, that they didn't create the world, that God created the world. And on the seventh day, the creator himself took time to rest and has given us the seventh day of the week as as a gift to us. But it's not about the day of the week. It's about the idea that there is an experience of God's presence in our life that we can only have if we put aside all of the labor, all of the effort, maybe even all of the technology, and we spend time resting in the presence of God. To remember the Sabbath meant for the Jewish people to be identified with the seven-day week rhythm as a life belonging to God who created and sustains life itself. And they were reminded of a God who cares for and sustains the universe as a world that ultimately belongs to him and not to us. Ultimately, or additionally, I'd like to suggest this morning that scholars uh, talk about how there are two different aspects of God that we can learn about as we come to understand this biblical concept of Sabbath in our lives. The first thing they suggest is that as we look at Sabbath and seek to understand what it means for us, we're reminded that God is a God who desires to be a Savior. In Deuteronomy 5.15, it repeats the uh, fourth commandment, from the Ten Commandments, but then it adds a verse afterwards where it says, remember that you, are, you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord God, your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You see, they're connecting the keeping of the Sabbath to the saving of the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Our time of taking rest from our work and and rest from our labor to reflect on where God is and who he is in our lives reminds us that he wants to save us from our own slavery and our own bondage in our own lives. And for us, that's often the bondage to our own sin and the brokenness of our lives. We have a God who is a God who wants to be a savior to us. And keeping Sabbath with God reminds us of his desire to be a savior in our lives. Here, the acknowledgement that God is the creator of life is intensified by the acknowledgement that he's also the saving presence in the history of the world, beginning with the Jewish people, but ultimately spreading to all of us and the entire creation as well. The second thing they suggest that Sabbath can remind us about God is that God is a God of love. The Sabbath day is a day of rest and worship, given as a loving gift from uh, the restless condition of slavery. 
The people that were first called to bear God's image on earth, the people of Israel, were given these two archetypal images of God through the exodus and the saving of them in Egypt, but then also through the very creation process where they're given a rhythm and a balance to life. Sabbath, then, is intended to be a holy day, a holiday in our lives, to be a tangible sign of a faith in a God who is a savior and a loving friend. The prophet Isaiah said that the Sabbath was to be a delight and a joy to the people. It was a day that was for feasting. People were prohibited from fasting and doing disciplines of mourning on the Sabbath. It was supposed to be a day of celebration. And I'd like to suggest to you this morning, the Bible also tells us that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem all those years ago, he came to fulfill and give us this gift of Sabbath rest in our own lives. The gospel records for us six cases in which Jesus' actions resulted in controversy over the meaning of the Sabbath. I wish we had time to go through and look at all the stories. But if you are familiar with the gospels and and how Jesus chose to heal many people on the Sabbath and was criticized for it, and his disciples were walking through the fields and they were picking grain to eat and he got criticized for that. Jesus in these passages in Matthew 12, 8 says, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He identifies himself as being greater than the keeping of the Sabbath laws. And in Mark 2, 27, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You see, first by his statement that the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus is claiming authority over, over all of our own religiosity and all of the things that we think we're able to do to make ourselves worthy or good enough for God. He's saying, you're missing the point. It's not about rule keeping. It's about covenant keeping. It's about relationship with me. Hence, the Son of Man is the Lord decides for us what the true meaning of Sabbath really is in our lives. Secondly, by stressing that the Sabbath was made for people and not people for the Sabbath, Jesus is giving indication that, that, that this idea of keeping Sabbath in our lives is supposed to be a gift to us. It's supposed to be an opportunity for us to discover a deeper meaning and value and purpose in our lives because we have space and time to experience the presence and the power of God at work in our lives and in our relationships. It's a sign and a gift that reflects God's larger plan to bring healing and wholeness to all of his creation. It's a sign that God loves us. He's a God of love, and he wants us to experience his healing and his wholeness in our lives. The book of Hebrews describes the ultimate goal of all things is to experience what the author calls the Sabbath rest of God. Sabbath even becomes an image of the ultimate healing that God is going to bring to his entire creation. We turn to Hebrews chapter 4, just in verses 9 and 11. The author says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own works. Just as God did from his, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. You see, the author of Hebrews understands that God, from the very beginning of creation, has designed an experience of rest in God that was for our healing, that was for our wholeness, that was for our benefit and our joy. 
And yet too often we are distracted thinking that somehow we can go find our deeper meaning and value in other places and we miss the very thing that God has made available to us through his son, Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews is hinting that Sabbath is ironically something that is hard work for us as believers, isn't it? Isn't that kind of ironic that the very rest of God is something we have to work at in our lives? And yet how true it is, what a challenge is it for us in this season that God challenges us to say, you need to work at finding rest in your life if you want to make room for God. Sabbath itself becomes a model of his salvation for us. It's not something we can earn. It's not something we can manufacture. It's simply a gift that we have to choose to receive, but we have to make room for it under our tree. See, Sabbath is ultimately about rediscovering harmony and relationship with God. It means we have peace with God. It means that we enter into God's own rest, the rest that he entered into after his work of creation. Again, Robert Banks says, first and foremost, Sabbath is about the redemption of our time. To some, it might appear a waste of time. Nothing is accomplished, or so it seems, but in reality, something indispensable to rest is taking place. Time is being recovered as a gift from God rather than a resource to be managed. Biblical Sabbath is a lifestyle that informs and transforms all the facets of everyday life. See, the purpose of Sabbath is to shape how we live every day, not just one day a week. Sabbath is intended to be a contemplative time that directs us towards God and informs us of where he is in our lives and what he is seeking from us and what he wants to bless us with. Some form of weekly or regular Sabbath is an essential part of being spiritually whole and healthy in our lives. It's fundamental to the spiritual health and even the emotional health, and many studies are even bearing this out from our mental health spheres. But the challenge is that keeping one day as a special day of reflection on the meaning of the other six days is increasingly difficult, and some are even suggesting in our culture is completely gone. Sunday or even Saturday, whichever day you choose to keep Sabbath, has been co-opted by our culture and our society. It's room for all the other activities of life that we can't fit in the other six days. Well, Sunday's available. Let's cram them in there. And if you want to be a part of the world, if you want to be a part of society, it becomes almost impossible for us to now go back to another time when we had the leisure and the space and the ability to have a day that was set aside to be with God and to be with family and to share that love and that concern and that rest with one another. So what do you do if you aren't able to keep Sabbath anymore in the ways that we're more familiar with? Well, a lot of authors that I've read, and and I think what we can gain from Scripture this morning is that if Sabbath isn't about keeping one day only, but it's more about a lifestyle, then we can begin to ask, how do we build Sabbath rest into our lives and into our schedules in intentional ways? Maybe we can start with taking mini Sabbaths here and there. Times where we're intentionally pulling away from the television, pulling away from our devices, spending time reflecting on God's word and and finding ways to experience God's presence in our life. But, you know, while prayer and Bible reading are essential parts of the spiritual life for the Christian, maybe Sabbath also might be involved with taking some time digging in the garden. 
making a, a, a model boat or some other creative project where, where, where you're entering into the creativity of God's spirit in our lives in a place where we can meet God through life-giving activities that we pursue. Maybe it's trying a new recipe that you can share with your friends or your family or taking a walk in nature, visiting the lonely people in our society or helping the oppressed, the Bible even says, can be a part of Sabbath because we're entering into the places where God is already present and working in the world. Now, I have to confess to you this morning, I struggle with this whole Sabbath thing myself. I mean, if you think about it, you know, Sunday's a work day for me, right? (laughs) But it's so easy, even apart from just Sunday morning, to fill all of my time and and energy with other things than God, to to be so distracted by life, even even by the things that are good, that I struggle to to be able to intentionally build that into my time and my schedule. And, And I know, going back several years now, God invited me to take time to create once a month a personal Sabbath day, a personal retreat day to, where I couldn't go into the office, I couldn't stay home, I needed to go somewhere where I could connect with God and just spend, you know, six to eight hours being with God. And when I was able to do that, it was truly revolutionary in my life. It was life-giving. And I've shared that with our staff and with people about how important that is, but do you think I'm doing it myself? No, because when it comes right down to it, even if it's on the calendar, you go, oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it this week because da 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 all came up. And so I sacrifice the very gift that God wants to give me for the things that I think are more important in my life. We talked about this a little bit at our staff meeting this last week, and I, and I asked you know, our staff, where do you find these moments of Sabbath rest in your life? Where do you find these places of contemplation and reflection where you can be with God and and find time with him? It's interesting what they shared. One of them said, uh, my time is in the shower because I can go in and I can shut the door and I can turn on the water and and the the kids can't come to get me and I can just have personal time. Now, it takes a lot more water that way, But it's a time where I truly get to reflect and be at peace for a few minutes in my day. And I find that God meets me there in that place. Another one said, I I connect with God while I'm running. I'm out on on the trail and I I have the headphones on. I'm listening to music and, and I get into the zone where I'm not focused on anything else. And I find that the spirit of God meets me there and all the distractions are taken away. And even the physical uh, effort of running puts me into a mode where I'm really truly focused on, pre- on God and his presence in my life. Another person who shared with me that, that his time is in his commute with the car. He has a long commute. And every day, twice a day, there's time where he can choose to intentionally invite God into that space. And that commute becomes a Sabbath time on a daily basis with God. So see, if we cannot keep one whole day as a Sabbath to God, we can still build Sabbath into our lives. In fact, I think the biblical understanding of Sabbath that we've just kind of peeked at a little bit today cannot be contained in any one day of some kind of religious ritual. I think that truncates what God wants us to see in and through the very creation of the rhythm of life that he's created. You see, the the ultimate purpose of Sabbath is to to teach us and remind us that living every day sabbatically is, is learning to make ourselves available to God at every moment throughout the day. 
And by taking those intentional times where we remove the distractions and we intentionally spend time with God, we are training ourselves spiritually and mentally and emotionally how to welcome God and to make room for God in our lives so that we can be aware of him throughout our weeks, seven days a week, 24-7, whenever we need to connect with God, he is there. God's ultimate purpose of Sabbath is to redeem the time and the space of our lives, to create sacred space in our lives, to create holy days where we meet and connect with God. I also think this is the deeper invitation that God has extended to each one of us in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. This is what Christmas is really all about. Jesus sent, I mean, God sent Jesus into the world to be born so that he could make a way for us to be back in relationship with God so that every day can be a holy day. Every moment can be a sacred moment because it's the gift of the Savior, Jesus Christ, when we allow him to take away the need to work for our benefit, to work for our good. When we cease trying to labor to make ourselves worthwhile and we receive his love and his generosity and his forgiveness, simply as a gift, we are experiencing rest that our spirits need because there's nothing we can do to earn it. All we can do is receive it. That's the gospel message. And ultimately, those who receive the gift are those who enter into God's true Sabbath rest. At the end of time, when Jesus comes again, the ultimate gift of eternity with him is entering into that rest as an ongoing 24-7 eternal lifestyle of being with God. This holiday season, this holy day season, we're invited to make room for God in our lives again. We're invited to make room for Jesus. I just want to close this morning with the words of Jesus himself in Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine that are rich with Sabbath overtones. As he says to us, come to me, All you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, he says, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If you want to make room for God this Christmas, make room for rest in your life. And when we make room for God, we make room for a miracle. Would you pray with me?